all will be revealed. Hopefully at least. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of F1 in Review 2023. I'm Tom Claibon and I'm joined by Angus Gallagher and Tristan Fancourt. Today we look forward to the Hungarian Grand Prix and mop up the last bits of the British Grand Prix and the fallout in terms of Formula 1 news as well. And we return to the topic of Daniel Ricciardo, restarting from the top story from last episode, the news that Mr. Ricciardo will partner Yuki Tsunoda in the Alpha Tauri car with immediate effects, meaning that the Aussie will essentially be racing in the Hungarian Grand Prix coming up and not Nick de Vries. So Tristan, we've got a flavour of your thoughts uh, last week from well, me retelling it uh, in the podcast. Anything else to add really in terms of this story and the ramifications of this? Anyone else really nervous about Daniel Ricciardo's first race at Hungary? I'm very nervous. Right? It's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Looking at the driver who's ma- massively successful in Red Bull, had a little bit of successes in other big teams. Obviously, had a bit of a downward spiral into McLaren, but you know, clearly has a lot of races under his belt, wins as well, and he he is good in Hungary. Let's not forget that um, he has pulled off some incredible moves there. Uh, he actually did a double overtake, I think, on like the last mm. lap to, to win there. So, you know, he, he has incredible talent, but I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous because the whole spotlight now is on, you know, Daniel Ricciardo and, and what he can do in a car that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Let's, mm. let's be fair. You know, <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I reckon, as, as a prediction straight off the bat, I reckon he'll finish in about 15th place and I'll be cheering him on the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think that's about where he can actually get to. And I was in preparation for this because I've I've been, I've been moving house. So my whole world is topsy turvy and full of boxes at the moment. But I did last night, sat down and started going through all the F1 news because I'd kind of been ignoring it. I'm afraid, um, and I was I watched the interview between Dan Ricardo and the F1 TV team, which is on YouTube actually. It's it's quite an interesting one. And I think Daniel was very much open to the the idea that he's not going to do that brilliantly this season, which is fair enough because mm. a he's what fifty percent of the way through, which means he's got a fifty percent potential point disadvantage. But secondly, because I think everyone in that team is. is brutally aware that the, the Alpha Tauri car is a little bit underspecked. And Daniel Ricciardo said that the car is, you know, it's low on top speed, low on, on aero. Um, and his role there is going to be to develop it, which I think is is good for him, actually. It's a good position to be in because I, I think if he was 
going back into the races and and saying to everyone, yes, I'm going to come out and I'm going to start challenging for 10th place. And, you know, I don't even think it can challenge the Williams or, 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 or Haas. I think it's way behind that. If he's saying, I'm, you know, he's going to start challenging, try and get this team up, I think then he'd be kidding himself. But I think in reality, what, what we're going to be seeing from a Daniel Ricciardo this year is a driver that, that demonstrates that he can extract everything out of the car, which is not very much. And next year, I think, is the the year we will hopefully see a Daniel Ricciardo returning to form because the car is going to be much closer aligned to the Red Bull. Um, is it fair to say now it's parent team again rather than sister team? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, going to be much closer to the parent team again. And I think... I think that's what we want to see from Daniel. And now I, I was thinking because I was having a sort of a, a minor thought uh, experiment with myself. So I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think this is a step from Ricardo back to the big boy team of of Red Bull, and therefore is Sergio Perez going to be looking in his rearview mirror for a driver which, let's face it, is 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 a very special to Red Bull and not other many other drivers have ever developed such a deep and close relationship to a team that's quite cold and frosty towards its talent. I think in short that yes, that is going to be the aim. Christian Horner has come out today, the day of recording Tuesday, and said pretty much as much that Ricardo's aim is now to rejoin the Red Bull team and that is the I suppose the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if you will but I can't really think of another driver in the history of Formula 1 who's been able to do what Ricardo's been able to do i.e. walk away from a team and say you're not for me go to another team do well walk away from them said oh, sorry it's not going to work you're not for me go to another team spell, fail spectacularly rather and then have another chance again to come to the parent team or the sister team or the junior team of one car and then the other chance potentially to then get up to be with the Red Bull again. I can't really think of a driver that's as Teflon as he is in the modern era. Yeah, I like the reference to Christian Horner's comments. The The phrase which he used earlier today was getting back into that Red Bull seat is Ricardo's golden objective. His golden objective. As in, we're talking 2025. Because Horner's working on the presumption that Perez is going to be there next year. You know, he's going to be able to overcome the struggles that he's had this year. And the fact that Horner, as I was referencing, saying, uh, quote, some of that has been bad luck. Some of that has been a little bit self-inflected. We're trying to help him get through this period. He's still second in the World Championship. He's won two Grand Prix out of ten so far this year and he started the season in great form, we want to help him rediscover that form. So they're not giving up on Perez by no stretch of the imagination. But it's very eye-opening to hear the fact that Ricardo is being possibly looked at for that 2025 seat. They want they want him. They they must like what they're seeing. They, uh, he did a tyre test with Pirelli last week on the day that he was announced as Nick DeVries' replacement. And Red Bull clearly liked what they saw. They must have had an idea that they wanted him in that car, but they clearly liked what they saw. And these comments from Horner suggest that they do like, they did like what they saw, and that he is still very much in their thoughts. Still don't, still don't underestimate the fact that him and Verstappen very good friends, and clearly they want a lead driver, a world champion who is pacified, 
and who is who is able to be in the best environment possible and does bringing Daniel Ricciardo into that environment work? Arguably it does. So um, don't rule out anything in terms of Ricciardo, in terms of him coming back. In terms of what we can expect, I think, Tristan, you mentioned about their performance now for Tari. They are they're woeful right now. They are the slowest team in Formula 1, arguably. They are not going to be upping sticks and uprooting trees or whatever the phrase is, whatever it is, just because Daniel Ricciardo is now joined, they're still going to be a dead slow car. Ricciardo, it seems, is willing, clearly is willing to take on the challenge of, realistically, his greatest challenge will be, can he get into Q2? That, and that's sad, but that's that's a fact of where Alpha Tauri are at the moment. So I think we we don't necessarily have to expect too much from him just yet, because at the end of the day, he is in a slow car. And if he gets points this season, that's arguably an achievement in a car which has only got points twice so far this season. So excitement that he's back, but let's let's temper expectations for now, I would say as well, even though Christian Horner seems to be doing the opposite with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the Daniel Ricciardo 10-year circle of life, isn't it? Because he I, he hmm. was in uh, he was in Toro Rosso, which are now Alfa between 2012 and 2013. So... Ten years later, we're back to the start, and it was it was weird because Daniel Ricciardo started all this off, didn't he? So, you know, Daniel Ricciardo left the team, and then up came Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, and that that whole saga, and then eventually Daniel Ricciardo's come in to replace the end of the the saga, which is the Nick De Vries not being what AlphaTauri and Red Bull would expect. So. It's a kind of strange, isn't it, that the whole domino effect is, is started and ended with, with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, and yeah, I completely agree, Tom. It is, it's it's kind of unheard of for a team to be so open and willing to bring back a driver that caused them so much discourse. And, and arguably, two sides of the same coin. Yes, you can be brutal and, and very realistic. You say, nope, you're rubbish. Off you go. But on the other hand, you say, well, we're not very emotional when it comes to getting rid of drivers. So we're not very emotional when it comes to bringing them back on either. And and as a result, it's not like Ferrari um, where they, they get very impassioned and you can really do Ferrari a disservice. And therefore you're out, out, that's it. You're never coming back. Red Bull very much. Yep, you're gone. Or yep, you're back in. And that's just worked out really nicely for for Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, I think this, however, will be his last shot. I think if he can get to the the pot at the end of the rainbow, Tom, as, as you like to say, get into that Red Bull seat if he's good enough. I think he's burnt a lot of bridges from a lot of teams that maybe wouldn't be as clinical as Red Bull perhaps would be. But I guess we don't. That doesn't matter, does it? Because he now has an opportunity to get back into a top team a team that he loves and when i was looking back at the hit like top moments from Daniel ricardo i miss i kind of miss that era of Daniel ricardo in red bull so he's got a lot to live up to he's got to live up to weirdly past him which not many people can necessarily say yeah so as i as i said at the beginning of the podcast i'm very nervous to see what we see in hungary i'm very very nervous because this is make or break time for Australia's F1 golden boy. Mm-hmm. And with this move in mind, we've spoken so much about what this means for Perez, the dynamics there with the second seat of Red Bull, but I'm also intrigued to what this means for Yuki Tsunoda because you've got a driver there who burst onto the scene, some would say prematurely into Formula One, has done better this season, I think it's fair to say, than last season and has 
flourish, you could say, to a point now that Gasly's gone or is more independent, if you will, beating Nick, uh, Nick De Vries quite clearly and comfortably, hence he's gone. But is he now further down in the pecking order? Does it go Verstappen, Perez, Ricardo, uh, Sonoda, Lawson? Or does it go Verstappen, Perez, Sonoda, Ricardo? An interesting one, really, because if I'm Team Sonoda, I feel a little bit peeved off, or maybe the signs are, the mood music is, the Red Bull team don't really fancy me right now, in the short term at the very least, to be the number two guy or indeed the number one guy moving forwards. Interesting, isn't it? Because Sonoda's always been in lurking in the background, but then he's also been a, he's been a really slow burner, I found. <laughs> because you're right, he came onto the uh, F1 scene in a lot of fanfare because he'd had this excellent season in F2 where he came third in his rookie year and only beaten by one of the people he was beaten by was Mick Schumacher ironically but Sonoda had, had a, yeah, a standout rookie year he was the next in line in the Red Bull pipeline and people thought well it's fair for him to be promoted because you know Max Verstappen was came uh, third in F3 before he was promoted to a, a race seat you had Daniel Kvyat came second in F3 I think before he was he was fast tracked to a race seat so it was just like well it's Red Bull doing Red Bull things isn't it so clearly the guy must have some sort of talent but he's never really lived up to it over a consistent period of time and yes if I'm Camp Sonoda I'm thinking is this Christian Horner's never said that I'm in a contention for a Red Bull seat he's never mentioned that so what what have I done wrong and we it comes back to the, I feel like we we revisit this point a lot over time, but it comes back to the point I think of what do what purpose does the Red Bull Driver Academy solve? Once again, you have Sonoda, a young driver who's spending three years at AlphaTauri. I can't think of anyone who's spent more than three years at Toro Rosso or AlphaTauri ever, because you either you go one of two ways: you either go out the door, or and out of F1 more more than most cases, or you go up to the senior team. That's just how it works. So, it and what it just it, it does seem funny. And in a, in a time when we've had rumours this year of AlphaTauri being sold on by Red Bull because, like you say, it's gone from the sister team to kind of being the like Red Bull's the parent team and AlphaTauri is the is the is is the child in this in this situation, but. Yeah, it just I, it doesn't it doesn't make sense that part because you've also got you got drivers waiting there. You have got Liam Lawson who's twenty something. He's doing brilliantly in Super Formula in Japan at the moment. He has race winning pedigree in Formula Two, and yet you want a thirty four year old Australian who's quite he's quite good, admittedly on his day, but he's been out of the game for a while. He's been off his top he's off his top form for a long time. So why bring him in as opposed to not give supposed to giving a young rookie a chance. They've got nothing to lose. They're last in the constructors. They might as well give a young rookie a chance, see what happens, blood them in whilst the pressure's off. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if I'm Sonoda, I'm not I'm not best pleased. I'm thinking, where is this Where is this going? And also, once, eventually, once Honda's uh, relationship with Red Bull will, I reckon, one day die out again, what purpose does he solve? He's realistically as well there because off the back of a strong rookie season in F2, but also because he's a Japanese driver, working for a company which has Japanese uh, engines that supply it. So mm-hmm. how long before his, ra- his race is run as well? It's, um, it's, it's, if I'm him, I'm, I'm not best pleased right now. 
Yeah, it's I don't know with with Sonoda. This is very simple, isn't it? Dan Ricardo has no choice in this that he has to prove that he is better than Sonoda, and Sonoda has to prove that he's better than Ricardo. There's only be one move upwards if if for whatever reason a seat in Red Bull gets made suddenly and and quite brutally available. And you are right that it's unusual to stay in the the, the lower team for a while. I you think you said three years. Um, Pierre Gasly was there for a while, and granted he was um in both Toro Rosso and then he was there when it changed to AlphaTauri. But he he was in Toro Rosso um from 2017 and then through into AlphaTauri until he left in 20 at the end of 2022, which is just nuts, right? To be in a in a lower team. Um, and you know, in, in that time as well, let's not forget he went up to Red Bull and then straight back down again. So can we say that? I think I think Red uh, Pierre Gasly is kind of an exception to the rule um, that you don't stay in the, the lower teams. But then maybe that was for the best for him because let's face it, he did wonderful things in the Alpha Tauri when they were um, very, when they were pretty competitive, right? Um, so it, it was it, in the end it worked out quite well for him. I, I just. I think he's going to have to prove he's better than Sonoda and maybe this will bring out the best in Sonoda as well because you are right he's a slow burner and I think we're still waiting to see what the hype was all about with Sonoda when he burst into the scene and you know big flame and then sort of fizzled out in a in a cloud of angry swearing so <laughs> we we'll see we'll see I guess whether or not Daniel can um, can bring out the best in in him but look again this is the red bull group they are brutal when it comes to their drivers if sonoda is not performing as they want him to he will be gone and if daniel is not performing as they want him to as much as they like him he will also be gone so this is going to be an interesting competition right hungary will be a proving ground for them both time to see what Sonoda can do time to see what Ricardo can do I, I think this is kind of a win-win for the Alpha Tauri team and Red Bull they're two drivers that they know can be good and 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 supposedly have a lot of talent behind them time to see if they can extract the best out of it through healthy competition Mm-hmm. And it seems that's going to go and give the team, hopefully, if you're an Alpha Terry or indeed Red Bull fan or someone affiliated, a shot in the arm. But if you're someone like Haas, Alfa Romeo, you're seeing Alpha Terry, in my view, mimic them to a point, i.e., experience rules. Experience is the one you want. Get experience in that car and you'll be absolutely fine. I mean, we see, for example, Hulkenberg going back to Haas. We see. Um, Bottas, for example, going to Alfa Romeo way back when. Now Daniel Ricciardo doing what Nick De Vries should have done, really moving forwards. If you are Haas, if you're Alfa Romeo, are you concerned by the return of Daniel Ricciardo? Because for me, I'm conflicted. There's the memory of Daniel Ricciardo pre-McLaren of, wow, what a drive. This guy can really pull the best out of any car. He's incredibly daring, particularly at a, a place like Hungary where there's few opportunities to overtake. But I balance that out with what was essentially a collapse in form at McLaren, really, completely outplayed, outdriven by his teammate, and really one win at uh, Monza, papering over some serious fundamental cracks. So it's a good reputational signing, if you will, to use a, a footballing analogy, but perhaps when you're playing on grass or indeed on tarmac here, not the signing you need or want, but... If you're Gunter Steiner and Co, what are you thinking? 
no, I'm not concerned. You know who I'm more concerned by if I'm, if I'm, because I think it'll take him time to get up to speed. That's why I say about temporary expectations, not expecting him to rock up at the Hungaroring and get ninth place and then woo, Daniel Ricciardo's back. You know who I'm more concerned about if I'm Hasso Alfa Romeo? I'm more concerned by Alex Albon because he's on a major hot patch right now. He is driving probably the best he's ever driven in his career, dragging absolutely everything out of a Williams car, which is, to be fair, not too shabby compared to what it was at the start of the season. But by no means is that is that a quick car, realistically. And I'm more concerned by that, if I'm honest. The fact that Williams have gone from, after Spain, round seven, they were bottom of the constructors with one point, And then three races later, they're up to seventh and they're level on points with Haas. So if I'm Haas or Alfa Romeo, I'm more concerned by the uh, by the team from Grove rather than the team from Faenza because the team from Faenza has a driver who hasn't driven for a little while, so he needs to get up to speed. No, I, I completely agree with Angus, actually. They have their own worries. I think, I mean, Gunter's so funny because I feel like he's most worried about what Gene Haas is doing rather than uh, what anyone else is is, is doing because Gene Haas, I think, at any moment is going to just pull the team out of the sport and um, run away clutching at the, the couple of, of good moments that they've had. And I think at the moment, I think Alpha, Alpha Tower is so far behind that it's not part of their game. Um, Haas is, is mostly worried about people like Williams, as Angus has already said. Um, and that poses the, the closest risk in the same way that, that oh, I mean, Mercedes is, is going to be looking at McLaren's upgrades and thinking, cool, blimey, they've managed to, you know, double their points in, in one weekend. Should, should we maybe be worried? And, you know, everyone's in their own little bubble within the, the levels, um, you know, from first place to 10th place. And you don't really concern yourself with anyone else. And I think Haas have ridden AlphaTauri off a while back, especially when they came out of the gates behind everyone else. And that's that's just, you know, uh, means that they can focus on what they actually need to do. Um, I think that's very good for AlphaTauri because it means they can just focus on, on their own little back of the grid you know, season this year. Yeah, we've got the the benefits from that, and, and got a bit more talent within the in the car, you know, concentrating on next year. So, yeah, I don't think we have to. I don't think they're going to be particularly. I don't think other teams are going to be particularly worried about Daniel Ricciardo coming through because a driver cannot extract more than the car can can you know produce. So Daniel is even if he got one hundred percent out of the car, he's going to be behind everyone else. Interesting, interesting. And we look forward, as we said many, many times, to the Hungarian Grand Prix uh, moving forwards this weekend. To remind us about what happened this time last year, George Russell took his first ever pole position, Sainz was second, Leclerc third, but the results were something completely different, more akin to what we used to nowadays. Verstappen winning, Hamilton second, and George Russell in third. So aside from Alpha Tauri, maybe Alpha Romeo and Haas, who do we think needs to do well? I mean, when we think back to the Grand Prix just gone in terms of hung- the Hungarian Grand Prix 2022, that was the one where Mr. Hamilton didn't pit and everyone else did, if you uh, remember that one. He was stranded there on the grid and, um, yeah, had to go and essentially do a start by himself, if you remember that one. So, in a turbulent one for him, I'm guessing he's hoping for a more smooth sailing race, among other things. 
I'll re- reference first, Tom, what you say about uh, last year's race because I completely had forgotten that George Russell got his first ever pole. That was a, uh, I remember it was quite a dramatic session, wasn't it? It was like a wet, dry session, which was keeping us, uh, keeping us on tenterhooks until the end. And I also remember about this time it was like in, this was the middle of a five race stretch where it dawned on us that Verstappen was dominating all of a sudden because we had France just before this where Leclerc crashed out from the lead and Verstappen won. This race, Verstappen started 10th, spun twice, and then won by 8 seconds. Not bad. And then, a couple of races after, in Belgium and Italy, he again won from like outside the top 10. So, would we rule him out from doing... Sorry to change the questioning, but would we rule him out from doing something like this again? He lo- he's looking pretty unstoppable right now, isn't he? And it's a track with one that's high downforce because he's got lots of slow corners. Would you say that Red Bull looking pretty strong again? Will Sergio Perez get in the top 10? That's possibly a burning question. <laughs> Qualifying, that is. Yeah. Bless him. Ouch. <laughs> no, Why is it factual based on those well, five races? Do you not have confidence in him anymore? I mean, I've confidence in him to come back eventually, but he's on such a awful streak that I'm not expecting him to be back on the front row in the the near future. I don't think we'll get necessarily a repeat of the previous race where I don't think McLaren will be as strong because Silverstone definitely suited their car. But would Perez be back on the front row? I don't know. It's just he's in such a bad run of form that he'll turn it around eventually, but I don't expect him to turn it around straight away. It might take a summer break reset for him to get fully back back to it. Mm. But but isn't that just Perez's career of a purple patch, a not-so-purple patch, a purple patch, a not-so-purple patch? So <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me, with this being a street circuit, if we were to go and turn it around and not win this one, but at least be on the podium. Well, it's interesting you say that, because I, I would say that he was a very consistent... He's become more patchy since he's got to Red Bull, probably. I'd say that beforehand he was a very consistent, under-the-radar driver who like always got the most out of the car or out of his tires and then being up against Max Verstappen has has changed him completely just like it has to many drivers over the the last eight years well I, I mean Perez uh is is been pretty unlucky at Hungary before I mean in 2015 um in, in practice one he had that massive barrel roll crash then if you remember that um I, I, he, yeah I just remember he, I, I think his suspension went and then he dug into the grass and yeah, he basically flipped upside down um, so maybe Hungary's not I think he's had a, bad, a couple of crashes there now, now I'm thinking back um, but he's 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 had some bad luck there so maybe this isn't the track to um, <laughs> for Perez to break his um, bad streak of luck yeah I, I don't know though I think I, I, I'm, I'm losing confidence in Perez if I'm just going to answer my own question there which is not so great um and i think that's going to be some undue pressure on him it's interesting you said actually that this may not favor mclaren but it's a high downforce track and what did we see at silverstone we saw that mclarens had good downforce they were they were pulling away during the sort of the the high downforce areas and through sort of maggots beckett's and that was giving them enough lead for the straights where they were a little bit slower so actually, given that Hungary, you have to be quite good on the downforce, I think McLaren could possibly have another little moment of success here. I think tracks like Monza are going to be disastrous for them, but I'm expecting Williams to come through there as just a little uh, mm. heads up for the future. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah, I'm looking at someone like Fernando Alonso and going, where was that form at the start of the season now? Because take away the P2 in Canada and it's been some average form really for not only himself but Aston Martin as well. So I think for them it needs to be another good weekend where they cash in on a good qualifying session and then hold that track position and then bank it as they did with Monaco really because if they're not too careful they could slide even further down than where they are granted they're in third place but the trajectory at the moment is seemingly downwards after a very good start where they stole a march and it's great to go and have a good car at the start of the season of course it is but I think really a good constructor or a good team and a good set of drivers, you really see them come to the top, if you will, when in the middle of the season, towards the summer break, after that, that car is just as good and able to go and cash in where possible. So I think this is going to be a bit of a litmus test, really, to see how good Fernando Alonso and, by extension, Aston Martin really are this season. Well, I think some of the upgrades that Aston Martin have brought may have actually undone some of the good work from the beginning and they're, they're not the first team to do this and they certainly won't be the last but don't forget that aston martin brought up big f1 upgrades in canada and it's not being brilliant from then so it may well be that they're just not making the giant steps forwards that we would be expecting as other teams bring themselves forwards right so that's made them less competitive overall. Even if they're getting faster, they still need the delta to be the same between them and the teams that they're fighting. And unfortunately, other teams may just be bringing in higher efficiency, better aero, aero parts, which means that they're just going to close up the gap. But it, it seems to me that that part of Aston Martin's issue is they just don't have the the big you know <laughs> advantage over the other teams as they did at the beginning of the season. Now, Fernando Alonso was asked about this during at the end of um, the end of Silverstone, and he said that there is lots of things coming soon, and that will put them back into the positions that they would be expecting. But it's not a good sign, is it, when when they're failing to upgrade the car, or perhaps in a, in a way that they want and we would expect. And I wonder whether or not this is actually something that we on this podcast identified at the beginning of the season when we uh-huh. said that that they brought in a lot of the uh, engineers that that developed the Red Bull team's car last year and have given. Aston Martin the blueprints for this year but they won't necessarily be able to advance it forward from this point hmm. I think in this race we'll see to a point yeah in terms of who could be strong this weekend I'm going to th- possibly be throwing one out there but I'm um, I'm looking at Ferrari to be honest with you I'm looking at I'm looking at Ferrari because I'm looking at some of their best results this year and I tend to go so when I, when you whenever I look at Ferrari's best results, my instinct immediately goes to Charles Leclerc's row rather than Carlos Sainz's. Even though Carlos Sainz has more points in the drivers' championship, I think simply because Leclerc just has those those higher highs, or he has the ability to. But if we look at those, he's been able to get pole position in Baku, backed up by a third place finish, and then you got a second place in Austria quite recently, which for some reason feels like years ago the Austrian Grand Prix when Ferrari were were doing well considering they got or was it ninth and 10th to back that up at Silverstone but Azerbaijan Austria quite short punchy tracks uh well sh- short in terms of Austria but also um have street circuit qualities because they're quite tight Hungary lives up to this billing as well I wouldn't be surprised if we had Ferrari having a 
a strong weekend this time around to be honest with you i just have a feeling that they could be they could be on the the road to getting a strong result in the upcoming weekend i could be proven wrong but like which, which i guess is it's not not groundbreaking statement that could be true for any prediction but in terms of aston martin just to put my my two pence in on it i agree that it's almost like their upgrades have kind of derailed their progress from where they were after Alonso had been talking in the media about how he still felt he was in championship contention until quite recently because he was saying that you never know what could happen to Verstappen. And then all of a sudden he's more looking over his shoulder at Lewis Hamilton. I still think he's putting in a, an unbelievable individual season in terms of what he's extracted out of the car. He is still 93 points ahead of his, his teammate, uh, the, the elephant in the room at Aston Martin headquarters. And I don't, I don't see them catching up with Mercedes. Realistically, I think Mercedes are on, are on a good run and will probably pull away from that second place. I think Aston Martin versus Ferrari would be the battle to look at going forward. And don't get me wrong; even if Aston Martin finished in fourth, but say within fifty to a hundred points of third place, that is still a remarkable season considering where they have come from this time last year. It was around this time last year they finally started to show shoots of progress and finally started to rise up the grid from the lower the lower ends up to the the midfield. So it's nice for them that a year a year later we are talking about how them coming say seventh and fourteenth in Silverstone was a disappointment and how they have they have dropped off and all of a sudden they are not doing as well. I think they would have taken where they are a year ago, but you're right in that they've they have dropped off a bit and they need to. If they want to ha- continue meeting their high aspirations, they need to need to step it up a bit more, and they need to get back to what made them so strong towards the start of the year. And before we wrap up, then Angus, your prediction of Fernando Alonso winning a race this season—how are we feeling about that? Hmm. Um, not completely, not completely um, out of the question. Still, um, it's. There, there, will, there will be a race possibly further down the line where something can happen and Red Bull might have an off day. We are still waiting for Red Bull to not win a race this year, um, unfortunately, for the spectacle. But there has to be a point at some point where that will happen. And I still back someone like Alonso to be able to swoop in and be the person to take the victory from a Red Bull. I'm looking at it's a generic thing to do to look at street tracks, but I'm looking at Singapore. I'm looking at Abu Dhabi. Possibly, I'm looking at Las Vegas. Who knows what could happen in Las Vegas? That could be a. It could be Las Vegas could go either two, one or two ways. It could be a race where it reaffirms the pecking order, or it could be a race where we get people coming out of nowhere to have a have a strong result. Um, I yeah, I'm still I'm still pretty safe in that my prediction will is definitely more likely to come true than my prediction last year of Alpine getting less than 30 points so I'm safe to say that'll be true however I will because he wasn't here last last week to acknowledge it but Tristan we were we were thinking about this were we right in thinking that at the start of the season your bold prediction was that Williams would come seventh is that right yes it was that was my bold yes. prediction full yes. faith in the in the the Williams teams there but then in fairness to that prediction I think I've been predicting that Williams would come in seventh for for four years 
Or so, so, <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, they are currently in seventh, aren't they, with 11 points? Um, so yeah, boy. I'm, I'm hoping going into the mid-season, that's not going to leave me with egg, egg on the face. Um, yeah, and actually, I, I was thinking back to to William's performance so far, and they, I think I, we were a little bit harsh on them, weren't we? When, when they got lifted up, the car got lifted up in Monaco, we all pointed and laughed at the underneath of the floor. And um, I think we've been a little bit harsh because looking back and actually looking at the pictures again, I think we're seeing different parts of the floor and it is a bit more developed than we thought. But what didn't take into account is, is, is their design ethos for the car is a little bit different and they've absolutely gone for, for speed. Um, and I think Williams is going to do really well in Monza as just a, a, a predictor prediction going forward and i i'm i'm super excited to see how they do that because i think going going on those long straights i think williams is just gonna be for pretty formidable because they are consistently stupidly fast and it's fast enough that they held back red bull with drs so a red bull car not obviously max but um, um but um yeah so i you know I, i'm i'm very excited excited for that um Ferrari, do you think, right, looking at Fred Vasseur's comments, which is going into Hungary, we are looking for a, a hopeful for a pole position. Tom, is that going to happen realistically for you? It is possible when you consider the good form they had more recently at Austria. I give you that they are wildly different tracks in their makeup, but the possibility is there that they could at least get it close to pole position. But it comes back to Verstappen being on red-hot form consistently since arguably the beginning of the season to now. I can't really see anybody in any car that's not his own uh, pipping him to that P1 spot in qualifying. But the race may be different, but I think qualifying is, if not king, definitely crown prince when it comes to Hungary. I mean, to how, how that's like. So, um, so yeah, I'll be keeping an eye out for Saturday more than I will probably the race, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I think a big thing this weekend is going to be the weather's going to be a big tease. The weather's been such a tease, hasn't it? Over the yeah. Last oh yeah. Few, come on, it's been raining like around the race or on on Saturday when it was the British Grand Prix. We had massive thunderstorms, huge <laughs> thunderstorms. It was apocalyptic rain, except when <laughs> we wanted it. I was like, oh, for God's sake, come on. Or, and even because I, I'm not, I wasn't that far away from, from Silverstone. I mean, to be fair, the UK is tiny, so you can never be that far away from Silverstone. But we weren't that far away from Silverstone. And, and by me, it was absolutely bashing it down with rain. And Silverstone was, you know, fine. Uh, and on the weather radar you could see like basically you see the clouds around the track that was just where i was and i was like right brilliant excellent we got rain here but not where i want to want it to be and looking at the weather forecast this weekend i think it's going to be yet again a big tease with um rain on friday and saturday but um good weather on sunday which is oh come on uh, you know we mm. want to see a wet race really want to see a wet race because i want that i want angus's prediction of a aston martin win to come true and i don't think that's going to happen without the a little help from our good friend mother nature so i think given the the predicted good weather i think it's going to be max to win but Ignoring that, I think there is going to be a serious battle for second and third place. So if I can add in my little prediction, 
I'm going to go, because I'm very excited that McLaren's doing well. I'm going to go with Lando Norris um, doing well in Hungary. I'm going to say, I'm going to say two, two second places in a row for um, Lando Norris. And I would love Oscar Piastri to finally get on the podium because I feel like he massively missed out in Silverstone. And it wasn't it wasn't his fault. Absolutely, in Silverstone, he just got unlucky because of the timing of the safety car. Um, but I'm hoping, given the what we know about the McLarens, the good on um, the downforce, I think this is perhaps another track that they could do surprisingly well on. So I'm I'm going to predict here and now that it's going to be Verstappen in P1, and then the two McLarens in second and third, and then who knows after that? Let's say George Russell in fourth with. Lewis Hamilton behind him and on that note that seems that's all we've got time for in terms of episode 22 of F1 in Review 2023 thank you very much for listening all the way to the end of this one be that on your preferred podcast provider or indeed elsewhere a reminder as always you can follow us on Twitter and on TikTok our handle being F1 in Review and as we mentioned many many times the Hungarian Grand Prix is coming up this weekend qualifying on Saturday that starts at 3pm if you're watching listening or indeed observing in the UK that being British summertime and then the race on Sunday once again if you're in the UK that is 2pm start for that and apologies for myself and Angus and indeed all of us uh, we're not going to be here next week because of holidays and being out of the country but we will return at some point after that let's think two weeks after you're listening to us now potentially uh, to go and relive or to go through what happened there at the Hungarian Grand Prix and pick up where we left off in terms of Formula 1 news and everything all above really so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you not next week but the week after